I love to see here the Streamy Awards. For your nomination consideration at Streamies. S-T-R-E-A-M-Y-S. Also very proud of this podcast as well. Enjoy exclamation point. I refuse. (laughs) My computer blew up. My computer committed suicide instead of playing your podcast. Okay, so Todd. Yeah? I know you're, I know I've mentioned this before. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yes. I'm looking at the list of the winners from last year. Right. Okay. Uh, the 2017 Streamy Award winner, Show of the Year, Creator of the Year, Lifestyle Podcast, Comedy st- Podcast, Food, Branded Video or Series, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this list of winners, and I recognize one and a half. <laughs> one and a half, dude. Now, you? one and a half, I, I know... Uh, there's one that says Breakthrough Artist, Poppy. Oh, from Dan Levitard show, yeah. Okay. I don't even know what that... Now, that may not even be correct. I don't know. I think Poppy is the um, this musical act that I see a couple people on my Twitter timeline right. uh, post about. And then I see the other one is something called Smosh. I've heard of Smosh, but I don't know what Smosh is. Mm. They're the Smosh sensation. Mm-hmm. And then as I look down further, um, where we look into like action, animated, uh, all these other different things, I, I'm aware of what the Young Turks is. Isn't that the Super Kick Kids? No. Uh, you're thinking of the... Uh, Balding ripoff artist and his brother. <laughs> but this is the show, by the way. Uh, Long- <laughs> yeah, I don't even give a shit. Longbox Heroes After Dark, number 192. Uh, I was just reading over the uh, past award winners of the Piss Stream Awards. What is this called? <laughs> the Streamies. Oh, the P- I, I like Piss Stream Awards better. I will say this, that last year their award show um, was hosted by someone who I don't know. <laughs> okay. But uh, it ended with a performance from the Village People with original singer Victor Willis uh, back in the front for the first time ever in three years. Well, that's good. I'm glad he's feeling better. Right. I don't like the looks of the the other new uh, Village People. Well, you are very judgmental. Right. But, right. You know what award I win? What? For this podcast? smiles on people's faces wow that's right we do have a guarantee if you do not have 100 percent satisfaction with this episode the next one's free right or double your money back either one it's up to you so other podcasts and the other thing is uh well i listen to a lot of podcasts the only podcasts that matter are the ones in our dumb network mm-hmm. uh I have fourth or three fourths of this week's Prodigal Sons podcast. Right. And outside of driving to Milford, 
going to the one guy's house, breaking in, logging onto his computer, going onto his Dropbox and putting the file in there myself, there's only so much I can do outside (laughs) of sending him multiple emails asking him to do this. Couldn't you record his part? If he was here... Well, no, what I mean is, like, you could, if there was, like, a transcript or something, you could read it really, like, monotone. If there was a transcript, yes. Right, that would be fantastic. Uh, so that's the, the delay there, as you're listening to this. Hopefully, by the time this is out on Friday, Prodigal Sons podcast will be out. Let me actually, let me see if I'm going to have to eat my own words. Let me check the Dropbox as we're recording Ooh. this. Your your own words? Mm-hmm. Okay. The less words I have to eat, the better. Yeah, nope. Who doesn't want it? Still not in there. Oh. The rest of the clods had their things in the Dropbox before 10 o'clock last night. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw all three of them were in there, I sent an email to the other guy at I'm... 10 o'clock mm-hmm. saying, hey, I got the other three files. I just need yours and I can start editing. And that was at 10 o'clock last night before uh, I left work today, I sent him another email about 6 o'clock saying, hey, just checking to make sure your file was okay, still not in the Dropbox. (laughs) I've sent two emails. I haven't gotten a response to either one. There's only so much I could do. It's almost like you're emailing Jer Jer. He's good at responding to texts. And there was... There was another state of the podcast address. Uh, so we mentioned on the main show that next week's main show is going to be late. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a day late because I'm on vacation. Hey, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I'm a pr- dollar. Sh- what? I promise during my vacation, I am not going to shower or brush my teeth the entire time. <laughs> so what's the difference then? <laughs> no, come on now. Oh, and the, uh, the other update on the podcast. Did we have, what, seven, eight people responding, saying that they wanted uh, the wrestling show with the fancy gentleman? I think it was up to seven or eight, yes. Seven or eight. So I know from my own personal dealings, you know, looking at the numbers and stuff like that, usually whatever your response rate is on something like that, you could, like, multiply it by ten, and that's what the active fan, that's what the fan base of something like that would be. Mm-hmm. So we could turn this around, even if we do it monthly or whatever it is. Um, now, emails that I've sent to Brian in regards of how we could add a third feed to the, to the site have also gone unanswered. So, uh, I'm beginning to get the hint from a lot of people in regards to, uh, the things that they've asked me to do and they are unwilling to do themselves or just the fact that Brian is continually blowing me off. Mm. Hey, at least I'm reliable, Joe. Right. I'm here every week, whether I know what I'm doing or not. Right. So I just got to wait to hear back from the fancy gentleman when he's ready to go, and then I have no choice but to start the uh, wheels in motion, adding the third feed to the site so we could have the wrestling show up. We already mentioned him in the show here, so he'll be ecstatic yep. that he got another mention. Um, so I don't know. I just figure... It's one of those things that, like I said, going back and forth, it's tough. 
So I don't know if we'll ever be in the same room together or anything like that just to discuss things, but I think that's what's going to have to happen. Right. But now but I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. What, uh, I think like instead of a weekly thing, a monthly thing or whatever, like I would be willing to maybe, see, I don't even know, like I, I'm getting myself in here too deep sometimes. Maybe definitely a quarterlies for the big, the big events that you kids love. Like the the regal ruckus. And <laughs> well, SummerSlam's right around the corner. Right, but isn't there like four like you know big ones that you always say? For well, usually pay-per-view? there's two big. Oh, you're talking about wrestling events. Right. Right. Uh, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam. And SummerSlam's right around the corner. Oh, good. Okay, maybe we can make it work for that. I think it's three weeks away. We'll get the pizza with the onions, make it happen. I don't know. I'm kidding. But, yeah, maybe something like that. And then if you're going to do it at the most, I could see it happening monthly. Mm-hmm. Unless you crazy kids want to go solo weekly. I don't give a I'd, I'd want to get his hot takes on the uh, recently announced network special of the all-women's pay-per-view. Oh, is that going to happen? Yes. Uh, Stephanie McMahon, uh, the person who created women's wrestling, at least according to the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, has announced that uh, in three months they're going to be doing a network special because, again, they're not really pay-per-views because they make fun of you during the pay-per-view if you actually purchased it on pay-per-view and not through the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network. Got you. Uh, that they are going to, it's called Evolution, and it's not a mystery, but it's going to be the all-ladies pay-per-view. Mm. And it's happening on October 28th. Which is a red-letter date in the world of professional wrestling. Is it the day I don't care about? Is that the one? Well, there's 365 of those a year. <laughs> and one quarter. and one, Right. But this one in particular, October 28th, 1995, is the infamous day where Cactus Jack lit Terry Funk and a couple fans on fire at the ECW Arena, and I was in the crowd with a broken leg on crutches trying to get out of the building uh-huh. while they turned the lights off. And we're blasting fire extinguishers uh, into the crowd and into the ring to put out the small fires that were starting from the kerosene that was dripping <laughs> off the, the kerosene-soaked rag that was shoddily duct-taped to the chair. And Cactus Jack swung at Terry Funk, and the towel came off the chair. And it was like, you know, like they'll say in times of peril... Or something big happening, it'll be like something is happening in slow motion. Mm-hmm. As t- what was supposed to happen was Terry or Cactus Jack has the flaming chair. He takes a swipe at Terry Funk. Terry Funk rolls. Cactus takes another swipe at him. Terry Funk rolls out of the ring. Cactus takes the third swipe at him to throw the chair on Terry Funk, who's outside of the ring. We shut off the lights in the building to give Raven and Tommy Dreamer, uh, sad Scotty Flamingo and Tommy Dreamer, (laughs) a chance to go up to the Eagle's Nest so they can set up Dreamer being crucified by Raven. Mm -hmm. What actually happens is Cactus is having trouble holding onto the chair because what they did was they duct taped a towel, not around the the chair, but just like to the front part of the chair, Mm -hmm. dipped that in kerosene and lit that on fire. And when they lit it on fire in the ring, it was one of those situations where you felt the entire building get warm. <laughs> and you felt the woof. Yes, you felt the woof of the flame. 
So Cactus goes for the first swipe with the chair, and Terry rolls. He goes with the second swipe with the chair, and Cactus drops the uh, the chair because there's, like, bits of fire falling off, starting small <laughs> fires in the ring. Cactus picks the chair back up and throws it outside the ring, but at this point, the tape has melted. So the chair goes down, but then the towel swirls through the air. In slow motion, toward the si- into the front row, but it's toward the side that I was sitting. Right. So I have like a bird's eye view of this thing going through the air. It goes over the barricade into the front row. They turn the lights off as planned. <laughs> then they start shooting a fire extinguisher toward where the fire is to put out the small fires that had happened. A mm-hmm. fan may have run into the ring and Cactus may have hit him, it was difficult to see because the only light that we had was the towel that was uh, uh, burning up fans and Terry Funk at ringside. Mm -hmm. So it was really difficult to see what was going on. Now it's filled up with like the corrosive whatever. It's the smoke from the fire, the burning flesh, (laughs) the fires that have been started in the ring, and now everyone's trying to scramble to get the hell out of the building, almost as though it's a fire or something. (laughs) As though someone yelled fire in a crowded bingo hall, and we're like, like we're like two up from the top row in the bleachers, and I have like a full leg brace on with crutches, because I just slipped and fall and broken my leg the week prior. But I wasn't going to miss uh, Steve Austin's ECW debut. You weren't going to miss on purpose arson. I would. I wasn't going to miss Flyboy Rocco Rock versus two or um it was Johnny Grunge versus Stevie Richards loser has to wear a dress match. Oh, I didn't want to miss that, Todd. Do they do loser has to wear a dress matches anymore? Not anymore. Okay, they don't do a lot of that stuff. My, one of my favorites, my two favorites that you would appreciate. And then we're gonna get to talking about Three Amigos. <laughs> I, I know, promise. I but I just wanted to mention this is this is the, this is a preview of what the wrestling show would be like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one in particular was a loser has to wear a mop hat. A mop hat? Yes. Where it's essentially uh, you lose and you lose the match. You now have to wear a mop on your head. Was this a Perry Saturn match? No, this was like late seventies, early eighties gimmick. Okay. Uh. You would have to wear a mop on your head. How humiliating would that be, Todd, to wear a mop on your head? Right. Not that you could just take it off when you leave the building, but no, Todd. (laughs) You couldn't take it off until uh, you won a match to get the mop curse off you. It's really unclear. Uh, And then the other one was the loser has to ride a donkey down Main Street. (laughs) Any Main Street? No, the... like. You know, like, let's say it's in Houston, right? It's the, right. The, the Sam Houston Coliseum. When right. you lose on Friday night, if the stipulation would say, Saturday morning at noon, you have to go down Main Street in Houston by the Coliseum riding a donkey. And all the See, people come out and laugh at you and say, ha ha, look at him, he's riding a donkey. They come out and they're like, look at that ass, and there's a donkey. Oh my goodness. See, now, the next time we ever bet anything on this show, right? it's a, a, don, a loser has to ride a donkey down uh, Main Street, Dixon City, the the Paris of Pennsylvania, pretty much. While wearing a mop hat? Yes. 
That's and then see this is, and, I, and again we're getting into this. This is when they start stacking the gimmicks upon gimmicks. <laughs> when they do the uh you know the 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 coal miner's glove steel cage loser leaves town tuxedo match. Oh, I have a coal miner's glove. You do? Yes, I do. Oh my goodness. That's the one we want right there. I got it off I got it off his daughter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I do just want to say this, one last thing before we uh get into the actual movie here today. Mm-hmm. It's getting out of hand of people suggesting movies to me to watch for to make you to watch. Especially ones that would make us not be friends anymore? Well, no. The the list is good. Uh, April actually was suggesting movies the other day. Oh, boy. Because uh, Sunday night I was telling her, I'm like, oh, when we go home, i got to watch Three Amigos. And she's like, oh, I love Three Amigos. She goes, it's for the podcast. And then I get into all the stuff. And then I say, like, oh, this person was suggesting this film. And this person was suggesting this film and this one. And she goes, oh, let me think of a couple. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, I will say this. The, uh, you know, the, the bet is still out there. I still have three more envelopes, even though Todd did some chicanery with one of them where he switched it. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> so if Todd gets, uh, what, three, he's already gotten one of the four. If he gets two more or whatever the super secret tough movie is. Mm-hmm. Now I want to say this. When I said the name of this movie to April... Mm-hmm. She immediately knew what it was, and it's not a movie that I've made her watch. Oh, I'm surprised she didn't. Did she recoil? No. Oh. It was a staple of bad VHS rental places, non-blockbuster variety of the late ninety, uh, the the late eighties, early nineties. Right, right. See, I'd have my girlfriend suggest movies, uh, but she's but she's in Canada. Oh, and it's a di- they have the metric <laughs> system up there, and I understand. Yes, they're still they're still on Betamax or something. Right, they have the metric system of rating movies. Right, the Meltzer system, stars and all that. Anyway, speaking of stars in the sky, Todd. Mm-hmm. As you can see from the fancy uh, artwork that's ador- <laughs> adorning this episode. <laughs> Which you just couldn't wait to send me. Thanks to my, thanks to our good buddy James, uh, power listener of the show, who uh, did that. I sent him the uh, thing on Friday. I go, okay, you up, you up for doing an, a logo for this? And he goes, sure. You know, usually it'll just be like the movie poster, slap the logo on it, whatever it was. Like even just last time, like I, I don't know shit about no Photoshop, right? I couldn't right. do it to save my goddamn life. And even just to pull the screen, the screen uh, grab of Gilbert and Dice, and put our logo on it, like I'm like I don't even know what I don't even know where to begin. So I sent it to James. I'm like, you know how to do this shit, and he did it. And I go, mm-hmm. hey, you up for doing another one? He goes, yeah. I go, it's gonna be a little bit more difficult. I go, see this picture, and it was the picture of the three amigos. And I go, and see this picture of me and Todd. He goes, yeah. I go, put this on two of the three. I go, but Martin Short has to be this picture. <laughs> And there we are. Yes. So, The Three Amigos, a uh, classic film from uh, 1986 this came out? I think so. We should have known that before we started. Yeah, we got sidetracked with a bunch of other shit. 1986. So, what is, uh, how do we do this? Uh, I, I, I describe what the movie is since it was assigned yeah, to me. I- 
I pick the movie, so you have to describe watching it, and like I'll chime in if I if I see the you know the the moment that I, if I could squeeze in between your many words. Right, words. Yes. So the uh... all right, Todd, picture it: Sicily, nineteen. No, no, wait. Mexico, nineteen sixteen. <laughs> A small Mexican town. Uh, what was the name of the town here? Uh, Santo Poco. Santo Poco. Is under the iron thumb, the grip, if you will, of the diabolical (laughs) El Guapo. The people of Santo Poco don't know what to do. They don't know how to stop this terror. So this young, calmly lass and her brother or some other small child from the town uh, come to the big town, of course. They go to a bar... And they're looking for anyone who could help them overthrow El Guapo, and they get no takers, right? So it's the nineteen, it's the nineteen teens. Uh, so she goes to the church to pray on this, and at the at the church, they're showing a silent picture. This was before the days of the talkies. Mm-hmm. A film of the three amigos, our heroes of the film, <laughs> uh, Dusty Bottom. Lucky Day, and Ned Niederlander. Mm-hmm. Uh, three wealthy Spanish landowners <laughs> who fight crime in garish outfits during the course of, I guess, their days, right? Right. So she sees this movie, thinks that it's a shoot, thinks it's a documentary, I guess. <laughs> right, she thinks it's ready to rumble. <laughs> I was going to say, like how you watch Ready to Rumble and think it's for real. <laughs> Right. And then when David Arquette actually goes and really wrestles in 2018, that just muddies the waters. It is a water muddier. Uh, so she then decides to send a telegram to uh, the studio asking to have the three amigos come to Santo Poco and rid Santo Poco of the villainous, uh, uh, the diabolical, the dastardly, the horrible El Guapo. But the if thing is, was, t- oh, go ahead. I was say only if there was a word that can combine all that. But go ahead. <laughs> well, see, Todd, they—that's the hundred peso version. They only <laughs> right. got sixty pesos. <laughs> right. So the guy makes some creative editing in this with the telegram, and he combines <laughs> all those words into the infamous El Guapo, <laughs> and their rests are crazy mix-up of the uh, film. So we now go to the studios. Where our heroes, uh, and again, I may interchange between who they are, Martin Short, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase. Side note with this all, Todd. Mm-hmm. When I look at archival footage of them promoting the film, right. and then when I look at more recent photos of like, oh, just like two years ago, they did the 30th anniversary celebration for Three Amigos. Conspicuous by his absence during all of the promotion then... And two years ago was Chevy Chase. Hmm. It's almost as though Chevy Chase was difficult to work with then and is an asshole now. But that all got smoothed out when he did his anti-Semite actor role on Law & Order SVU. So No, I think that, ga- I think that gave him uh, like the uh, leeway to get, do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, that brought it in a little bit more from what he had done before. So he's like, oh, now I have all this extra rope. Right. 
So, uh, yeah, Chevy Chase, I'm sure difficult to work with. Uh, where did I get? So we go to the, we're at the studio and Fat Tony, the head (laughs) of the studio. Harry Flugelman. All right. It's Fat Tony. Right. I just like the name Harry Flugelman. Now, Harry Flugelman, of course, you mentioned that. I also want to mention in, uh, his two flunkies are there in their only scene, which was early in their Saturday Night Live runs, because this is a Lorne Michaels picture, their ex-Saturday Night Live alum, uh, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Martin Short, is John Lovitz and Phil Hartman. Did you right. see how Phil Hartman was credited in the fil- in like the, the credits of the film? No, I saw their names early on, like as the actual actors, but I didn't see their names, like what they portrayed. Well, no, no, not what they portrayed. Like as the credits rolled at the end of the movie... Right. It says, like, you know, whatever, played by John Lovitz. And it says, whatever, played by Philip E. Hartman. And Hartman was spelled with two N's. Oh, really? Yes, it was very strange to see, like, <laughs> Phil Hartman not listed as Phil Hartman. Well, maybe he was trying something new that didn't stick. Right. So, uh, Fat Tony is telling them that the Amigo pictures have been well... But then they did Amigos, 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 which was instead of them going to the Spanish-Mexican locales, it was them essentially having a, a trip to New York. Mm-hmm. Movie and they... In, sh- was that? They strayed from the formula. <laughs> <laughs> Doing quite the uh, impersonation there of, uh, what is it? What's the... Ha- Harry Flugelman. Harry Flugelman. So... Now, this is a part of the... Todd, I hate to nitpick this movie. Right. But what the hell would one of these be if we didn't nitpick the movie? So, the Amigos are there. Flugelman says, we need to go back to basics. We strayed from the formula. We need to do a classic Amigos picture. Steve Martin, speaking for the group, says no. And then, Flugelman's like, no one says no to me. You guys are living in the, the the studio mansion. Those are the clothes from the set. You're done. Nada. Nothing. You're you're out. Right. Mm-hmm. There's. Uh, I wish they did more to build up the reason why there was this conflict. Right. It seemed as though like the conflict happened for no reason. Mm-hmm. Just to get them to this point where they're like they're down on their luck. They get the offer, and they take the offer. I wish we got to see a little bit more of the relationship and friendship amongst Chevy, Martin, and Steve, so we could see, like, hey, we're not going to take this from the studio anymore. We're all standing up to them, you know? Right, but see, the thing with this scene is I really like, it seems like Steve Martin does it on his own, because uh, Martin Short and Chevy Chase seem like they almost don't want him to do it. Right. And Steve kind of does it. And in all this, you're glancing over my favorite, one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Me and my cousin watch this movie all, watch this movie all the time. Me and my cousin, you know, we're like, you know, Batman and Robin when we were, when we were kids. We still quote this movie when we see each other. And the thing where he's like, you guys, you'll get nothing. He's like, zero, zip, nada. Have you ever heard of the word nada in all those Mexican pictures you've done? And he goes, and Chevy Chase goes, I think it means a light chicken gravy. <laughs> right? 
And then Martin Short, they cut to Martin Short, and he's like, he wants to say yes. He's like, uh-huh. And then he just goes, it means nothing. <laughs> and to this day, we'll we'll still see each other, and we'll be talking. Like, you know what that means? I'm like, I think it means a light chicken gravy. <laughs> <sighs> but but when that scene it's just fast it, it compacts that they are friends that they get they get screwed over and let's get right to Mexico we don't need any of that we don't need any of that because this movie is gonna gonna you know fly by its laurels its talent the script the direction we don't need a story well we do but we do have a story they get tossed mm-hmm. out of the studio they're there in their old their their nineteen teens one-piece pajamas, but they get to keep their hats. Right, of course. And as they're like, oh, these things always have a way of working out. And then a guy in a bike rides up and says, telegram for the three amigos, and hands it to them. They read it, and that's where we get the mistaken part of the infamous meaning he's so famous, he's infamous. And the three of them (laughs) are so stupid. Okay. So then they have the plot of they have to break into the studio and get their amigos costumes. Oh, yes. In a fantastic scene. Now, as I mentioned before, and, and I'll bring up here, I hate to nitpick this movie because its runtime is only like an hour 40, you know, whatever. While there's parts that they could have trimmed, it's not to reduce the runtime, it's to make other scenes longer. Mm-hmm. Like this scene when Chevy Chase is doing the bird calls to try to get their attention. Look up here! Look up here! Uh, to me, the whole movie could have just been that. <laughs> Because <laughs> right. I love that scene. Because mm-hmm. oh, it really shines a light on how dim the other two are. <laughs> right. Which is a running gag throughout the entire film. See, I and that's the thing. The, the endearing quality of these characters is, I want to say they're naivete, but it's sheer cluelessness. <laughs> they're just smiling at all the most inappropriate times. They're very in the moment, mm-hmm. and they're very um, one thing at a time. Right. Like, don't bring me two things to deal with. I'm having <laughs> trouble de- dealing with this one thing. Right. So they get their Amigo costumes. They're on their way to Mexico. We now revisit back to the same cantina that we saw earlier to- earlier in the film. And a German man wearing, like, a pilot's outfit, and he's got his leathers on and everything. He shows up, and he lets the barkeep know that his friends are going to be showing up. They're going to be oddly dressed. And while he's telling the barkeep this, uh, the same gentleman who earlier accosted the young lady starts saying untoward things to the German fellow. So the German fellow starts shooting up the place. And he says, hopefully when my friends show up, you will treat them better than you have treated me. They have a much worse temper than I do. Right. He leaves. The three amigos come in. And we are now treated to one of the greatest scenes in film history. (laughs) Right. And the other thing that I like about it is because that whole time that the guy is yelling at the German and, and insulting him, he keeps talking about his sissy gun and everything like that, which is a pearl handled pistol, which is important. Because when the the gaudy dressed three amigos come in, they all have pearl handled pistols too, and everybody notices that. Mm-hmm. I really like as stupid as this movie is, the direction of and then how important the German why the German is carrying a pistol similar to the three amigos. Right. It all comes back. 
And how mm-hmm. dare those people, when we were talking about those reviews from last week, said that this was a movie that was put together over a weekend and no thought was put into it. Intricacies, mm-hmm. Todd. Intricacies. Layers like an onion. That's right. And this movie made me cry, too, so it is like an onion. So the amigos show up. They're strangely dressed. They're acting odd because they are odd and they're clueless to what's going on. <laughs> And they decide to lighten the mood by putting on a show for the patrons of the cantina. Chevy Chase plays the piano. Because he actually does. Which he actually does. Martin Short and Steve Martin perform My Little Buttercup mm-hmm. to the terrified crowd in the <laughs> cantina. Right. Which is, they are so <laughs> earnest and so <laughs> sincere in their performance of this song, and every single actor in this is doing their gusto to act deathly terrified of these two guys in these ridiculous outfits mincing and prancing about. Right. (laughs) One of the greatest scenes in film history, Todd. Right. And I love the bartender in the scene, because I still, me and my cousin still use this all the time, he's like, he's like, do you have any, we'll have a couple of beers. We don't have any beers, senor. Well, what do you have? Tequila. And he's like, tequila, what's that? He's like, well, it's like beer. And he's like, is it fattening? Mm-hmm. And he's like, fattenings? <laughs> he just says, like, and, like, we'll still use that. He's like, no, and they drink it, and it's like, they do the whole, like, one-upsmanship of how you're supposed to act because the booze burns. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just fantastic. So they, the Amigos leave, and then the Germans' actual compatriots show up, right. and then immediately the cantina people are like, hey, look at the sissies, and then these two guys shoot up the entire bar. Right. But while the Amigos are leaving, they see a Tubman 605 or whatever plane, <laughs> and Nettie flew one of those, and little Nettie goes to war, I think. That's right. And Todd, what kind of plane is that? A Tubman 605. A mail plane. Oh, it's a mail. How could you tell it was a mail plane, Todd? <laughs> By the little balls on the bottom. <laughs> and I love that they didn't get it for like a whole minute. Oh, and again, see, it's those scenes that mm-hmm. I think you like. Let's link. Like, you know what? We lingered on that joke for a minute. Let's go for two. Right. Let's really yeah. hang our hat on that one. Right. Let's go for two and a half if we can. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the amigos show up at Santo Poco. Uh, the woman Carmen is happy to see them. And, uh, you know, and they think that they're here to put on show. Right. You know, they think that El Guapo is like the movie star type in Mexico. They're gonna go down there, they're gonna work together, they're gonna do a little soft shoe, they're gonna do a little, <laughs> they're gonna do a little hi hat, whatever it is, they're gonna collect their hundred thousand pesos, and they're gonna go home. Right, but which they showed in the early movie that Carmen was watching that if they offered the 100,000 pesos, they'd turn it down because that's what they did in the movie, Joe. Because, Todd, we don't need your money. Right. Knowing that justice was done (laughs) is our reward. Right. There's a lot of stuff that happens in that early uh, little movie that we see (laughs) that I wonder if it'll ever come back in any way, but go ahead. Let me see if I can do the voice. It's like poetry, so it rhymes. <laughs> no, that was terrible. That was a really bad George Lucas impersonation. That I, would, that I'm would... no Rich Evans. Thank you. Oh, 
I'm the Jay Moore of this. I'm the Harry Flugelman. See, your Harry <laughs> Flugelman's good. Okay, good. I could do Fat Tony, too, if we have to, because they're completely different voices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the next day, uh, just, like, three random El Guapo dudes show up, and mm-hmm. the Amigos do their whole shtick. Uh, they say their lines, Ned flubs one of their lines, but it's no big <laughs> deal. Uh, then they just do the thing where they circle around the guys, right. and when they do those oneers of each of them doing their gun tricks, <laughs> yeah, Martin Short steals the show with the look on his face as he's just tossing his gun back and forth from one hand to the other. Laughing, yes, that's the best. But it's not even, it's not even laughing. He has this look of, like, this bewilderment on his face, and he does it like one, two, three times, and then he does the laugh with no sound. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. So, they're, uh, these guys are more confused than anything else. Mm-hmm. So they go back to El Guapo's men, or they go back to El Guapo's camp, and this is our first time that we get to see, in my opinion, Todd. The true star of this film, El Guapo. <laughs> El Guapo doesn't hold anything back on film. And to a lesser extent, Hefe. <laughs> Hefe's good. Quite possibly the greatest villain flunky sidekick, flunky <laughs> duo combination in screen history. Yes. So El Guapo says, alright, tomorrow we're gonna go there and we're gonna kill these, uh, these fools, right? Oh, and during their, their taunts, Mm-hmm. Steve Martin calls the three guys sons of motherless goats. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm sorry, but, just cracking myself up. And they I go like and they the- relay this back to a guapo, and he's even more confused than his men. My favorite part is while they're conveying this to El Guapo, he's taking the weirdest photograph in the history of film. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. Like <laughs> it looks like it's a, it's a, it looks like it's something like from Arabian Nights. Yes, and they have to look horrified. It's very unclear. And again, there's back in the day where you have to stand still for a photo. Mm-hmm. So while his men are doing this, these people have to hold this pose the whole time for El Guapo because he's El Guapo, right? That's right. And he has like one of those lines in this. He goes, that just, he just sells it. He's like, he's like, well, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to, we're going to go back to Santa Poco. We're going to cut these gringo stomachs open, grab them by the intestines and squeeze the shit out of them. <laughs> and I'm like when he hits that, like, it's like, bah, bah. And then he just hits the turbo for the third line, <laughs> which is like his, his cadence when he gets mad. Right, so the Amigos think their job is done. They think this was El Guapo, they think they ran off the men, so there's a big giant celebration. Everybody's mm-hmm. partying, there's fireworks, everyone's getting drunk. This is the part where you kind of could have trimmed some stuff to add like a couple extra seconds under the bird call scene, <laughs> the guy's not getting the, bu- the, pl- the, the mail plane joke. Like, I understand you want to show the festivities and everything else like that. You could have did that, like, as a two- or three-minute montage instead of, you know, what was, like, almost, like, ten minutes. But, Joe, you have to show that both Steve Martin and Chevy Chase are getting along with these two Santa Poco women while Ned isn't talking to any women, Joe. And that won't come up later at all. Well, he was telling stories of his other movies to children. 
Right, of the of the actress that told him he had it. <laughs> Which is, I forget the actress's name even, but I looked her up. She's real, Joe. Oh, okay. Yes. So the next day, El Guapo really shows up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're like, oh, amigos, El Guapo's here. They're like, oh, another performance. They're all hungover, whatever it is. They're like, all right, let's go through it again. So they go down and they kind of half-ass it a little bit. But El Guapo is just like, like, it, like he just has this shit-eating grin on his face the whole time. <laughs> Completely, like, just loving every minute of whatever the hell is this is. Right. So while this is going on... um, they do their the, the amigos do their gimmick where they ride around them in circles doing their gun tricks. Right. And one of El Guapo's men shoot Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. He goes down and he gets off his horse and he goes over to the guy and he goes, "Give me your gun." He takes the gun and they're like, and El Guapo's like, "Give me your gun." <laughs> like El Guapo's like, "I want to see where this is going." Yeah, these guys are these guys are funny. Kill one of them. <laughs> He's like, "I like these guys." <laughs> Kill them. So he gives him the gun. He goes, I knew it. Real bullets. You're in trouble, mister. And he goes, I'm keeping this. <laughs> he puts it in his pocket. Oh, my God. But then I love, he reaches up on Hefe and starts touching his gun belt, realizing that they're all real bullets. Yes. And that's when realization. You could say Steve Martin has an epiphany right there. Oh, and this is when it's it turns out that they're actually sissy actors. Mm-hmm. El Guapo and his men uh, ransack the town. They kidnap Carmen, and the amigos are left there holding their hats in their hands, looking like the buffoons that they are. Mm-hmm. As they're kind of sort of apologizing to the pe- the people that are remaining of Santa Poco, uh, Steve Martin and Chevy Chase are getting ready to leave. But Martin Short is like, no, we have nothing to go back to. We have no jobs. We have no friends. We have no money. We're going to do this. And he convinces them that the three of them together are going to take on El Guapo. Right. And the thing that I love about this, Joe, is earlier on in the movie when you're talking about that party at Santa Poco where they could have cut a bunch of it, is they show, they're like, what are you going to do with all your money? And Steve Martin's like, I'm going to get a big shiny car and I'm going to drive it all around uh, Hollywood and I'm going to go show Flugelman. And Chevy Chase is like, I'm going to, you know, go to the islands and and drink and and do all this stuff. And Martin Short goes, I'm going to open an orphanage for the homeless children. Well, and that's yeah, the, we were going to do that first. I think that was right. implied. Right. And after, and then I was going to get the car. But they show that uh, Martin Short is the one with the conscience. And he's this movie's layered, Joe. This is so layered. So I like that. So they decide they're going to go to uh, confront El Guapo. Now, I'm not saying this in a bad way, Todd, by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. There's a positive thing. El Guapo and his men seem to be able to come and go very freely from where El Guapo's compound is to Santo Poco. Mm-hmm. Very easily, very freely. It seems, though, however, for the Amigos to get to El Guapo's compound, it's a much more belabored and beleaguered many hoops, many things that they have to do. But Joe, I know it's we, done for comedy, and I love no, the comedy that results from it. 
but it's not done for comedy. It's done. It's like if someone you had never met was going from my, if someone, if you were going to my house to your house, it would be no problem. But now if we had people who came up from Mexico and were just like at my house and they're like, now go to Joe's house. You have to figure out how to get there. And they don't have directions. It's not like, you know, it's like El Guapo's hideout on the map. You know what I mean? So they have to figure out how to, you know, go see a certain someone who has a sword. Well, okay, so we'll get to that in a second. The best part of that is, though, uh, Martin Short convinces them. They're like, all right, man, let's go. And then they ride Mm -hmm. off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. Matte painting. And then we cut to the scene of them around the campfire eating barbecued bat. Right, which is hysterical. And Chevy Chase saying, he goes, uh, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but they're like, uh, they're like, oh, you know, once we turned back and got directions of which way to go, eh, we weren't that far. We were only three or four miles out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) It's like, we're good. So they now have the directions, which is they have to travel east. And again, another subtle point. As Martin Short is reading the directions, and they he says, all we have point. <laughs> he Sorry. says we have to travel east, and they all point different directions. <laughs> yeah, they have to travel to the singing bush. Mm-hmm. Once they find the singing bush, each of them has to say the secret passage that summons the invisible swordsman, and the invisible swordsman will then lead them to El Guapo's hideout. Right. Seems natural. That's actually how people get from your house to my house. So we get the scenes of them riding, and we get a fun throwaway bit. Again, keep it in the movie, because it's hilarious where they each hit their cantinas. And go ahead, go ahead. Go further. Oh, the the, the, the song. Go ahead. Yeah, this, this, the, the, the blue shadow on the trail. The fact that they be, like that this is a parody of old country, you know, uh, uh, like Western movies that they have a music scene. And I love that, like, all the animals show up. And as they're panning away from all of it, great, great. Like, you know, the realistic coyote, the realistic uh, cougar, whatever's out there. There's birds, there's owls, the most realistic turtle I've ever seen. <laughs> but as they're doing it, I'm like... This shot is actually amazing because this is 1986. Like now they would green screen in a coyote and they put like a cougar and like a rabbit and whatever else they had. Like I'm thinking in 1986, they're like, get Martin Short, get Chevy Chase, get uh, Steve Martin on a set, have them sit around and bring in all these animals and not have them attack each other. It's fantastic. Oh, great scene. Again, that's where all the budget for this movie went. Mm-hmm. I think it went for uh, back pills, too, for uh, Chevy Chase. <laughs> oh, I think he was on the harder stuff by then. Oh, that was from the Chevy Chase roast. When uh, Who was the guy who from Saturday Night Live who went on to be the senator or the congressman? Al Franken. And he, and he was later disgraced. Yes, and he was like... On the, the roast, he was roasting Chevy Chase, and he's like, and I just want to commend Chevy Chase for being brave, for going to rehab, for back pills. <laughs> and he's like, and, he's like, and he, he was a hero to other people who had become too addicted to back pills. <laughs> and he was just saying it with such disdain. And you knew what Chevy was in rehab for. But it, like he just and I was like and, and to me that sticks to this day of Al Franken giving him the giving him a gentle ribbing at the roast show. 
Well, the, uh, you know, we're off the subject here, but that's fine. The Chevy Chase roast is one of the more notorious roasts of the time. Mm-hmm. It was one of the early ones that they decided to actually air on TV. I think it might have been the first or second that they decided to air. And because at the time, which was early 2000s, nobody liked Chevy Chase. They couldn't get any of his friends to mm-hmm. be on the roast. So all the people on the roast were people who knew him, did not like him, but agreed to be on the roast. But a majority of the people were whoever Comedy Central had deals with at the time. Right. Because that's how unliked Chevy Chase was at the time. And the ones who did know him were there just to actually give him the business. Right. So anyway, uh, they do the gimmick with the canteens. Steve Martin says, like, a tiny drop of water. Martin Short, again, trooper, <laughs> possibly MVP of the film, just drinks sand. I think it was cinnamon. <laughs> That's even cinnamon worse. challenge. What? That's even worse. Right. The first cinnamon challenge was Martin Short and the Three Amigos. And then Chevy Chase's canteen is completely filled to the brim. He's pouring it down. He's spilling it all over his face. He's done with it, so he just throws it on the ground, and the water's <laughs> spilling on the on the ground. We cut to Martin Short and Chevy or uh, Steve Martin, who are staring at this water lovingly, wishing it was there. While Chevy Chase is applying lip balm. <laughs> <laughs> And they're looking at him, and he goes, oh, lip balm? He's <laughs> like, that's a great scene. Again, no payoff. That one may have been just like, oh, this will be a funny gag. Let's put it in the movie. But I'm all for it because it was a funny gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while this is going on, we cut to El Guapo and uh, his compound. Hefe. And Hefe. And we find out that the Germans are on their way there uh, to be bringing El, Hef- or, uh, bringing El Guapo guns. Like, Military-grade weapons. If El Guapo was not unstoppable before, he will be unstoppable now. And, of course, this is part of his birthday celebration because (laughs) El Guapo's a little down in the dumps, Todd, because he's He's turning 40. 40. I can relate to that, Todd. I I turned 40 last year, and I didn't give a shit because, again, it's just funny that here's this guy who's this Mexican, like, crime lord, and he's like, I'm down in the dumps because I'm turning turning 40, you know? (laughs) But it's also because Carmine won't open her petals to him. Right. Well, and and, and that thing, El Guapo is an honorable man. Mm-hmm. Because he says, you know, you don't take the woman. You know, when she is ready, she will open her flower to you. As as a uh, opposite of what El Jefe is suggesting, just to go for it. Right when when you want cattle, you take the cattle. <laughs> and when you Hefe's want a so woman, dirty. you take the woman. Hefe's just so dirty in this movie. Right, he's fantastic though. He's mm-hmm. he's he's dirty in a delightfully charming way, Todd. Right, in a villainous, in an infamous way. <laughs> right. So we also learn, Todd, that for his birthday, in yet another, in the second world-famous scene, when they do the film history museum, this movie is going to have no less than three scenes in the <laughs> movie Hall of Fame. We've already got the My Little Buttercup scene, mm-hmm. and then we've got the scene where Hefe tells... El Guapo, that they have a plethora of presents for him. Yes. <laughs> and this is how we find out that uh, El Guapo is upset about turning 40 because he shames El Jefe 
uh, for using the word plethora and not really knowing what it means. Right. And then it's a deep cut of, I don't think you're really mad at me, El Guapo. <laughs> he, like, he like analyzes. <laughs> Again, Todd, you said these are deep, nuanced, layered characters in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the amigos come upon the singing bush. But at this point, Chevy Chase is fed up with all of this. <laughs> Steve Martin's still on board. Of course, Martin Short's still on board. They each say their passage. And again, I wish I could recreate those passages, Todd, but I to attempt them would do them a disservice. Farty, 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 farty. <laughs> I'm, that's all I'm doing. That's the only one that I really like. So but, you're supposed to say the passage. Each member is supposed to say the passage and shoot their gun into the air. Mm-hmm. Martin Short does it, shoots his gun into the air. Steve Martin does it, shoots his gun into the air. Chevy Chase does it, but just kind of shoots his gun off to the side. <laughs> yeah. And in one of the greatest lines in movie history, Todd, he says, Martin Short, or Steve Martin says, I can't believe you shot the invisible swordsman. <laughs> yeah. As he was approaching, apparently. He hears right. the first of the two things. He's like, all right, I better start getting ready. Because he's like right around a rock, you know, I guess. I don't know. Right. Well, he summoned him. The gunshot summoned him, and but the that was instantaneous, Joe. So then the bullet starts flying and hits him as he materializes. Because you're supposed to shoot up, stupid. Oh my goodness. So then uh, they're like, "How are we going to find El Guapo now?" And then they notice the plane that they saw earlier in town is flying overhead. Plane must be going toward El Guapo. Let's follow the plane, and that's how we'll get to El Guapo. Right. Logic. They're no dummies, these guys, Todd. No, they're not. So uh, they figure out how they're going to ambush him, and they're gonna they're gonna kind of enter from all different sides. But while this is going on, it's El Guapo's birthday. The Germans, of course, present him with his guns. El Jefe gives the nice the speech to let everyone know that El Guapo is turning thirty four <laughs> years old. <laughs> And the face on El Guapo when he says that that he that when Hefe says he's turning and he looks horrified, and then he says thirty four and, and and El Guapo's like yes I am. <laughs> he just immediately like yeah like like the leader the happy leader is just fantastic. And in one of the other greatest scenes in movie history, mm-hmm. uh, El Jefe says that he and some of the guys. <laughs> And then we cut to some of these hardened, you know, 19-teens Mexican types all looking unsheepishly and bashfully (laughs) that they all chipped in and they got El Guapo a present. Wonder what that present was, Joe. And Todd, this is something that I still say to this day (laughs) whenever I get a gift (laughs) and I'm opening it up and someone asks me what it is. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, I hold it up and say, it's a sweater. <laughs> and the best part about that gag oh. is, is well, okay, well, first of all, obviously, you're in Mexico. You don't need a sweater, right? <laughs> <laughs> two, two, for a whole scene, he has it draped around his neck like, a, like an 80s yuppie. Oh, my God. <laughs> And it's like the worst color scheme of sweaters. It's like, it's like off brown and pink. It's like, it's like Freddy's sweater 
like attacked Charlie Brown's shirt. Oh my god! And they had a kid. It's really bad. It's really bad, but it was from his men, mm-hmm. and he's going to treat it with the respect that it deserves, as you mentioned. And then we get a little bit of a payoff with the sweater later on as well, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Amigos attempt their attack, and of course it's a miserable failure. Uh, Martin Short swings in, but he misses, and he gets end- and he ends up getting caught on a pinata. Yes, yeah, so he gets his feet stuck in a pinata. Uh, I forget what happens to Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase swings across the compound, goes through the balcony, and into Carmine's room, and into the co- into the dresser. Right, okay. But Steve Martin's actually down with El Jefe. Yes, and El Guapo. Smacks on- yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, he slides onto the ground in like a great comedic moment. And he, he attempts to use some tough guy dialogue with mm-hmm. one of the great lines... I'm going to fill you so full of lead, you'll be using your dick for a pencil. That comes later, actually. Oh, it comes later. I thought that was here. No, that's when he stands up and he yells, because uh, he's the only guy in the in, that's there. They're all like El Guapo's men. He's like, he's like, seize him. <laughs> it's like, they just grab, they grab Steve Martin. Oh. So their their plan goes awry. They put Steve Martin down. In the prison, which is an elaborate system of pulleys and weights, <laughs> I guess to keep him in place. I'm not familiar with this. I uh, know a few people who could probably explain it to me, but I've never asked them. <laughs> One of them might be listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. One of them might have suggested a movie for you to watch, and I said no. <laughs> okay, I still want Todd to be my friend. <laughs> uh, so Martin Short's still stuck. Chevy Chase and Carmen knock out a guard. Chevy Chase takes that guy's clothes and just puts it on over his Amigo garb. Mm-hmm. And he tries to sneak out, but then he gets corralled by one of El Guapo's drunk men. And El Guapo is now giving his birthday speech, where he says, Each and every one of my men, I know your face, and I have fond memories of the things that we have done. And then he goes down like two guys, saying the things, and each thing is like, Jose! Jose! <laughs> the time that we ransacked the church! Yeah, ransacked the church! And then we go down to the next guy, and then we come to Chevy Chase. <laughs> and he doesn't recognize Chevy Chase at first. But he's <laughs> right, like... The, he's, oh, go ahead. He's looking right at his face, and he's saying nothing. Well, he might be a little drunk at this point. That is true, and he's 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 got the euphoric high of getting the sweater. So. <laughs> and he says, uh, the time that we uh, burned the village! Burned the village! Because, oh, like, Chevy Chase had to lead him, because obviously El Guapo has no memory of who this person is, so he doesn't remember any of the things that they've done before. And then he's like, uh, and usually every guy just gets one thing, but for some reason Chevy Chase gets, like, six. He keeps going when he should have stopped. Right. And he goes, and uh, the time that we, was it, raped the goats? Or was no. it raped the horses? We raped the horses? Raped the horses? Raped the horses! And, and rode the time, off on the women. Was that? And, and rode, rode off on the women. Yeah. And the time that we pruned? Pruned? <laughs> many small, was it shrubberies? The hedges of many small villages. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he figures out that it's, not one of his compatriots, but Chevy Chase. 
And uh, El Guapo says, what is going on here? Are there gringos falling out of the sky? <laughs> Cue Martin Shore to... Now, this was one that I watched back and forth because I was trying to see if this was an elaborate dummy or a stuntman because that was a hell of a fall. It was a good one. So he gets up and the the main German, the guy who's in the pilot outfit, immediately recognizes... Ned Niederlander, a.k.a. Martin Short, because Ned was a hero of his growing up, watching all of his movies in Germany. Uh, little Nettie Goes to War, and what was some of the other ones? Because I knew you as Little Nettie Nickers. <laughs> and he goes, uh, he goes, it was because of you that I became so proficient with a gun, watching your movies. And then he says, then I learned of camera tricks, fakery. I learned that you were a fraud. And Ned claims... That he did all of his own shooting in all of his films. Mm-hmm. So the German says, we're going to put this to a test. <laughs> yes. And uh, and he, Ned's like, oh, okay. He goes, uh, does anyone have uh, a watch with a second hand? Now, we've established earlier in the film that Chevy Chase has a watch. Because mm-hmm. the young child at the village asks Chevy Chase for his watch when he dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's like a moment of silence. And El Jefe is like, I have a stopwatch. Yeah, like you're right. Why does he have a stopwatch? And they're gonna they're gonna measure quick draws with a stopwatch. And I love like the German speech. He was like, he's like, you you made me study the quick draw. He goes, you were my hero. I studied your every move, and then I found out about camera tricks. I was crushed. I was like, I love the German speech. In it. Oh. It's fantastic. So they're gonna have a shootout to see who's faster. Right, and as they're going down, uh, Hefe gives, uh, he gives Ned a different gun. Like, not his pearl-handled revolver that he had before. And he goes, you don't want to get shot with a little CC gun. You're going to want a real man's gun. And then Martin Short, over-the-top, comedically sells how much this gun weighs in a delightful scene. That's right, Hefe gives Martin Short the heaviest gun in Mexico. So funny. Uh, so then it's at this point where we learn that Ned actually is this fast because he does get the drop on the German. The German goes down. The gun sends Nettie flying back. This allows Steve Martin to get away, who has figured out the pulley system, and he's gotten out of the uh, the jail cell. Uh, mm. Chevy gets a gun, and he's got it pointed in on El Guapo. And then... Uh, was it Chevy Chase is like, oh, we're le- or, uh, Martin Sh- or Steve Martin's like giving the speech. We're like, he- everybody drop your guns. And Chevy <laughs> Chase throws his gun down as well. He's like, not you, Dusty. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's gun. another great Puts scene. it back on El Guapo. And he tells everyone to get on the ground and put their hands behind their head. And then the the uh, amigos make off back to Santa Poco with uh, Carmen rescued. Right. And I love that scene as they're leaving because they just had a hundred men throw their guns down. And as they're leaving, they're like, and don't even think about going for those guns. And they haven't even turned around, and El Guapo's already got his in his hand. And they're all just shooting at them as they leave. Right. I'm like, you guys are idiots. So they're riding away. They come upon the German's plane. And, uh, again, call back to everything that's been going on in this movie, this nuanced and layered script. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, oh, Ned, you could fly this plane. He goes, well, actually, it was my stuntman who flew the, flew the plane in the movie. But I think I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
So again, we get a prolonged comedic scene of Ned comically coming too close to the ground and going upside down with the plane while Chevy Chase and Steve Martin are in each of the wings. Carmen's in the co-pilot's thing as Martin Short is flying the plane. They go back to Santa Poco. That gives them the head start over El Guapo and his men. Um, and they need to figure out a way because El, El, El Guapo is on his way. There's no stopping him, but we need to figure out something. And then Steve Martin gives one of the most inspirational speeches in all of <laughs> film. And he says, everyone has an El Guapo in their life. And I, I may get this incorrectly, but I'm doing this mostly from memory. Some people, their El Guapo is illiteracy. Mm-hmm. Some people, El Guapo <laughs> is poverty. For us, El Guapo is a scary man who is on his way here to kill us all right now. <laughs> I, and I do believe it's actually, uh, for some people, El Guapo is reading. For others, it is shyness. <laughs> That's what it is, reading and shyness. <laughs> Shyness is our El Guapo. He's like, and in the end, our El Guapo is the actual El Guapo. <laughs> oh. oh, but what can you do well? Right, what can what the people can, of right. Poco do well? Right. They can sew. Oh, if we'd only known this earlier, which is one of my favorite lines in the movie. And then oh. they, de- and then they decide to do uh, a trick from one of their movies. And what movie was it? I think it was Amigos, Amigos, Amigos. Right. So we see everyone sewing, and then we see uh, other people digging a giant hole or attempting to dig a giant hole. Mm-hmm. While this is going on, to, to designate the passage of time, we cut two scenes of El Guapo and varying numbers of his men, anywhere from 5 to 50, depending mm-hmm. on when they cut... It's a little inconsistent there of how many people they had on the days of those shoots. <laughs> Until they actually show up, and then it is the full group of all 50 people. And as they show up, it appears as though Santa Poco is deserted. And then the three amigos show up, take a couple shots at El Guapo and his men, and then run off. <laughs> and then three more amigos appear somewhere else. Then three more amigos appear somewhere else. And then they keep doing this and doing this over and over again. And it's just con- continuing to confuse and confound El Guapo and his men. And El Guapo's men are dropping and getting shot and falling over. Now, again, where do they get all these extra guns? I'll just say that the German left extra guns in the plane, right. which is one would assume if the Amigos and or the people of Santa Poco had access to this many guns beforehand, then the threat of El Guapo would not have been as big as it was in the film. But here we are. So but they were scared, Joe, and it was the El Guapo speech. Right. That that got them over the hump. That inspired them to do what they did, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of El Guapo's men attempt to escape, and they fall into a cleverly disguised moat that they had dug. Mm-hmm. Many others escape and get away. El Guapo is attempting to stand his ground, uh, and he's and he calls them all deserters. And then El Jefe says, "I'm still here, El Guapo." And then he gets shot, mm-hmm. and he does a comical pratfall on his cell of getting shot. And then El Guapo's the last one, and he gets shot. And then is revealed that they sewed exact replicas that fit every single person in Santa Poco of the Amigos costumes. 
Right. And I didn't want to give it away too early, but the scene when they're, cause if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, when they're doing the, the actual like attacking El Guapo and they're running around, there's multiple amigos, how authentic the costumes are compared to later when you see them on the, the, the people of Santa Poco. Right. And the moment when they're, when they're literally supposed to only be three and like, there's Steve Martin shooting over a barrel and amigos keep running into the cabin. <laughs> Like, eventually, you never see more than three amigos at the same time, but, like, it's, like, one, two, run in the cabin, and then, like, two more run in the cabin, and, like, two more run, go running behind. I'm, like, visually, it's really good, because you find out it's supposed to be all the people of Santa Poco, but every time you see a three amigo, it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, or... uh Chevy Chase, and they're doing all the movements that they've done through all these wacky movements, and I'm like, this is a ridiculous. This this is making me piss my pants laughing. How stupid this is, but but it's working in the film. As stupid as it was, it was an expertly choreographed piece of business. Mm-hmm. So El Guapo was down. All the people of Santa Poco revealed themselves. They finally vanquished and defeated El Guapo, and but El Guapo. Uh, he's, he's proud of these guys that they actually stood up for themselves. And he says to Steve Martin, he goes, oh, come here. I want to tell you one last thing with his dying breath. Come closer. And as Steve Martin comes closer, he shoots Steve Martin in the foot <laughs> and he goes, that was a good one. And then he dies. Right. In the greatest death in cinema history. <laughs> the most realistic one. The only thing that was missing was his tongue hanging out of the side. <laughs> and X's where his eyes. Yes. Oh, and I forgot, real quick, just to go back, the payoff for the sweater, right? Mm-hmm. So as El Guapo yes. and his men ride off to Santa Poco, and they leave mm-hmm. the women behind at El Guapo's lair, the main woman who is assisting El Guapo get ready, she is clutching the sweater mm-hmm. and teary-eyed waving as they all leave. Right, and it's even sadder now because you know El Guapo is never coming home That's right. to wear that sweater for her. So, Santa Poco is free of the tyranny of El Guapo. Uh, they can rebuild themselves. The Amigos have decided uh, they're going to continue on their avenging ways. Wherever liberty uh, needs to be upheld, the three Amigos will be there. They give them a reward, a pittance. It's not the 100,000 pesos they had promised them, but it's something... But again, of course, just like in the film serial that Carmen saw at the beginning of the film, the Amigos say that knowing that a good deed was done is its own reward. Mm-hmm. And the Amigos ride off into the sunset to many more sequels and reboots to come because this was such a successful and fantastic movie. Yes. Um, what did you think? Did you enjoy this movie, Joe? <laughs> Loved it. It was yep. a, it was a night light fluffy romp. Like I said before, the hour 40 runtime was perfect. I just feel as though they could have used some of their time a little bit differently. Mhm. Making some of the longer lingering jokes linger and long uh, linger and hang a little bit longer. Right. Uh now I want to uh say this going back to some of the trivia on this film. Right. So, uh, this is a movie that had been in production since 1980. Wow. Where it was originally supposed to be Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi as the Amigos. 
That would have been interesting. Then it was changed to Steve Martin, Bill Murray, and Robin Williams. Ooh. Then it was changed to Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Rick Moranis. Oh, boy. But then uh, at that point, Rick Moranis had something open up on his schedule, so they got Martin Short to take his place. Uh, some of the other things now, I didn't get, I did not watch the Blu-ray release of this, Todd. Mm-hmm. I watched this by legal means, I assure you. Uh, right. there were more scenes cut out. Um, there was an initial scene that started the movie of El Guapo and his men attacking Santa Poco to set things up. Uh, there was, uh, scenes of the Amigos at their actual mansion. Excuse me. Uh, there was the subplot that was cut out of their star that was in uh, that Amigos Go to New York movie or whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, who apparently was the one that was angling for them to get fired, who was to be played by Fran Drescher. Wow. And another scene where on their voyage to the Singing Bush and the Invisible Snowman, uh, a swordsman. I would have watched the Invisible, Invisible Snowman. Invisible Snowman. We don't know if he was Snowman, but again, he was a swordsman. Uh, that they came upon a mountain man who was lost, played by Sam Kinison. Oh my god. Right. So, with these things back in, this would have been closer to a two-hour runtime. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it would have been worth it. I enjoyed this movie thoroughly. Thank you for picking a good movie for once. Wow. Jerk. But, like, my thoughts on this movie is this is a Lauren Michael, like, you know, extravaganza or whatever. I honestly think Lauren Michael was sitting around one day in his office, and he opened up a drawer he hadn't opened up in a really long time. And there was an old Three Stooges script with, like, an inch of dust on it, Joe. <laughs> and he just went, like, <sighs> He's like, what's this? And he's like, Larry, Moe, and Curly go down to Mexico to fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they were like, all right, I need I need you to pad this. I need – make it a, about movie stars who are in silent films. And uh, we still don't have enough time. Well, since we have Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short, just have them ad lib, you know, whole scenes, and we are good to go. Slap the Lauren Michaels production on it. And we have the three amigos. That's literally how I feel this movie came together. I disagree. Uh, as mentioned, this is something that had been in production for years, gone through multiple different castings and so forth. But uh, I think what we got here is comedy gold. It is comedy gold. Oh, the three amigos. Mm-hmm. And the best part is, Joe, I have the three amigos soundtrack. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. And it might be in the Dropbox for you later Good stuff. Well, like I said, I, I thank everyone for joining us uh, on this voyage through the, uh, the trials and turbulations of the Three Amigos. Again, Todd, I, I thank you again for picking a good movie for once. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, no, uh, it can't be body slam. Nothing can. Thank God. I was attempting to remember the other day, and I remembered all of your movies, and I couldn't remember what my other one was, because it was to go through everything, just to kind of recap everything that we've done. Because we had uh, Bronco Billy. Right. Then we had Body Slam. 
Mm-hmm. Then was it Dragnet after that? Yep, no, Smokey, sh- the one I couldn't remember was Smoking the Bandit 3. That was the one I couldn't remember. Great movie. Somehow that one didn't leave a uh, lasting impression on me. That's because it was so good it gave amnesia. Right. Oh, Dragnet, of course, <laughs> Last Action Hero, Adventures of Ford Fairlane, and now Three Amigos. Right. Oh, boy. My next one. I think I mentioned this before, Todd. My mm-hmm. next one has the chance... The chance of being possibly the weakest one. Wow. Right, because, um, again, I know it's a movie you haven't seen, and uh, there's a chance that you might guess it, but it's a movie I remember fondly, but I'm afraid of all the movies that I've picked, it's the one that holds up the least. Uh, trust me, it can't be worse than Body Slam. No, Body Slam was awesome. How dare you. Mm. They all can't be Bronco smoking the Bandit 3. No, nothing can. All right. So, is there anything else? No, I think we uh, hit all the beats there. All right, everybody. So, thanks for listening. Uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, soon to be named movie thing number seven. Episode 192 of the show. Uh, longboxheroes.com, soon to be named network.com, all those places. Thanks for listening, and we'll see y'all here next week.